Good listeners, welcome back to the pod. It's Charles here with Florian. Today, Florian has been on our pod a few times now. Florian, welcome back. And if you just quickly want to let listeners know uh, area you specialize in. Yeah, hey, uh, thanks for having me again. Pleasure to talk with you. Uh, it's been a while already. Um, yeah, I'm uh, based uh, in uh, Germany right now, uh, South Germany, uh, in the beautiful Bavarian countryside. So this is like the, the next big town of Munich from here. But I'm back and forth between basically Munich and Dubai over the last uh, year. Um, my focus has been for the last uh, 21 years already, uh, precious metals. Uh, obviously, first of all, the physical bullion and coins, and then also mining stocks. And then the more you dig uh, deeper in that direction, then of course, it's generally commodities. So I'm also very interested in, in copper, in all the so-called battery metals, nickel, cobalt, also uranium, lithium, etc. And since uh, uh, more than nine and a half years already, I'm also very much interested in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Uh, background is that if you, yeah, if you study history and you do this if you start looking into gold you at some point start also studying history and questioning what's actually going on with the money system here on this planet for the last few thousand years and then yeah uh, you figure out it's all about freedom and um, basically all the fiat money systems that we've seen on this planet uh, basically at some point ended uh, worthless in some form of a hyperinflation or system collapse and um, gold always has survived. And um, yeah, and then if you study further and further, you end up becoming a libertarian. And then Bitcoin came along 2012, 13, and I was immediately super excited and started uh, more and more looking into it as well. And yeah, I'm running a consultant and um, advisory research company. We have daily and weekly content uh, about gold, silver, and Bitcoin primarily. Uh, we help clients um, becoming more successful in the markets. And we run a nice large Telegram channel uh, with lots of signals as well, actually. And um, yeah, our content is uh, usually published in German and as well as in English. So I have an international followership. Mm -hmm. Well, you're right on the money in the areas that you are in currently because it's uh, they are the ones that are uh, talk of the town. But you know what, Florian? Um, obviously... <laughs> Your skills are awesome, and uh, I was really keen to dig into some of this stuff that you specialize in. But before that, there's more interesting stuff that's happening in the world with Russia, Ukraine, and uh, uh, you're obviously based in Germany. So forget mm -hmm. all the uh, investing stuff or trading and charting. Let's discuss uh, a German's opinion or viewpoint on what's going on. Uh, obviously, you guys are in Europe, and this is something you guys will be closely following, and it impacts you as well, to some extent. So give me your two cents on what do you think with what's going on in the world right now, with Russia, Ukraine, I mean, specifically. <laughs> it's so complex, it will be very tough and hard to put this into two sentences, honestly. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do five recordings if I have to and split them out, but we are discussing this. <laughs> okay, great. No, I mean, um, well, you have to understand this is a super complex topic 
and obviously uh, there's lots of different perspectives on it so there is uh, you have to invest a lot of time and research and open-mindedness to really uh, look into the different perspectives that you could take on the whole mess and situation that we have so um, what you need to understand is that this is not a situation that just uh, came up over the last few weeks. This has been in the making for the last uh, more than 30 years, basically since the breakdown of the Soviet Union. And um, you have to understand that uh, Ukraine is not a humongous country. Uh, there is like lots of different uh, cultural backgrounds, lots of different ethnics. There's the people in the East who basically feel like Russians. They all speak Russians. They, uh, they are very different than the people in the West who more like feel belonging to, to Europe and they want to move away from the former Soviet Union. Uh, Union, In their opinion, it's a suppressor and dictatorship kind of state. And then you have lots of other countries, uh, neighboring countries also influencing a different group of people in there. And especially you have to understand that the Ukraine is uh, a very important uh, um, country in terms of when it comes to the security for Russia. So Russia used to be the Soviet Union as a superpower, then it break, broke down. It was a traumatic event for the Russians in the, in the, late, in the early 90s of the former uh, century, but um, um, the country broke down into many little parts, so that's why you had Ukraine. Before that, it was part of the Soviet Union. And um, after that, uh, basically, initially, Putin really tried hard to reach out to, especially the Germans, uh, to, to make peace. I mean, he held a famous speech here in the German parliament uh, 21 years ago. He even spoke in German, unbelievable. None, I don't remember everybody else uh, ever had been holding a, a speech in German, a, a foreign uh, statesman. Um, and uh, he basically uh, reached out and offered peace. And uh, unfortunately, the Germans, the Europeans, the NATO, the Americans, they didn't want this. They, uh, you have to also understand that uh, for the last more than 100 years, the, the geopolitical maxim or the agenda of the Americans is to divide Europe. So that's the famous divide and conquer uh, uh, that you certainly have heard. That's always the tactic. You divide the people, you divide the country, and then it's much easier to conquer it because suddenly the people fight with each other and it makes much, it's much more easy for you to, to basically march in and conquer the important parts of it. And, and it's much easier also to, to control and manipulate the opinion, right? So that's been the agenda, the maxim of the Americans for the last more than 100 years. And you can trace this back even to the First and Second World War. And um, because the background is Germans are generally uh, rather uh, smart when it comes to developing technologies, engineering uh, things, while the Russians have all the commodities that would be needed for all that uh, uh, inventions, right? So uh, basically, if the Germans get along well with the Russians, there's no need for America anymore. And uh, from a size, this would be so huge because Russia is a huge country, right? It's, it's the largest country on the planet. and. Um, um, together with basically the Western Europe countries like Germany, um, there wouldn't be a need for, for, for America anymore. So that has always been uh, the, the, the most important agenda of the Americans. And if you now look what happened over the last 30 years, um, there's of course lots of 
questionable and lots of understandable factors happening. But um, part of the people in, in Ukraine wanted to move west, wanted to basically become part of Europe, while the other part wanted to either stay neutral or belong to the Russians. And I'm very sure to my research, and I've been really listening, watching, researching hours and hours and hours uh, about that topic. Um, the, um, the Americans constantly uh, uh, basically try to create instability in the Ukraine. Um, for the Russians at the same time, it, it's like a protection kind of belt. It's like, if you look at it from a, uh, a geological perspective, you will quickly understand why the Russians, for them, it's so important that Ukraine at least is neutral. Because mm -hmm. um, it, it, it basically, after, uh, after you, you, you run through Ukraine, the whole land over there until Moscow is a flat earth. It's very flat. There is no mountains and nothing. Mm -hmm. And once you conquer Ukraine, basically Russia is open. Because mm -hmm. you can only invade, theoretically, Russia from that side. From the other side, it's Siberia, it's huge. No army in the world can, can uh, manage that because logistically it's basically impossible to conquer Russia from the East. It's just huge land, no people. It, it, it will, be, will be impossible to control it. So the only way to theoretically invade Russia would be via uh, Poland and then Ukraine. So um, that's why they need that kind of uh, security belt. And uh, maybe to shorten things up a little bit now, but. What you really have to understand, the Russians have been for 20 years saying, this is a red line, don't cross here. Ukraine has to be at least neutral. Don't put military here. Don't move them into the NATO. Don't move them into the, the European Union. Keep them at least neutral. And the West, the NATO and Europe and America especially have not been doing that. And if you turn things around and go back 50, 60 years, you come to the Cuban Missile Crisis in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. And we had a very similar situation, vice versa, in Cuba, where the Russians tried to uh, bring in rockets and weapon, and the Americans clearly said, stop it, this is a red line, you don't cross here, it will be World War if you do it. Mm -hmm. And world back then was very close to World War III, and the Russians backed down, and they didn't put their rockets on Cuba. And that's why we're still alive probably today, because... Uh, if they would have followed up, like what the West and the NATO has been doing for the last 20 years with Ukraine, the Americans would have attacked in the 1960s immediately. Because from a security issue, it's totally understandable. In your neighboring country, you don't want to have rockets uh, that, that basically can attack your own country. It's very simple. I understand and I agree that each country also should have its right to express peacefully to where they belong and freedom of speech. And if they say we want to move to West, I understand that. But in this case, Ukraine, unfortunately, is the neighbor of Russia, and Russia is a big power, and they have certain security needs, and it's understandable. And I, I really don't understand why the Western people have not been willing to talk and find a compromise here and, 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 and calm things down. Instead, constantly, they're pushing more oil into the fire. And now, uh, uh, I don't know exactly all the details that have happened, but it seems that Putin has been even more uh, pro being provoked by the Ukrainian government over the last two, three weeks. And of course, I mean, war is never the right answer. Mm -hmm. I just think that you have to see it much more differentiated. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so, uh, now we are close to, to World War Three, like never before, I think. It's it's very serious situation. And I, even for you guys in Down Under there, it's, it will affect all of us. 
And um, you have to also understand that this is also about Germany because Germany was trying to basically build, build up more business with Russia. So the famous uh, Nord Stream 2 um, uh, gas and oil pipeline have been building, uh, have been built over the last few years. Now it's completely stopped. Germany is massively depending on oil and gas from Russia. Uh, in East Germany, which uh, came back to, I mean, the Eastern part obviously used to be the, the, the former Democratic Republic of Germany, DDR, which belonged to the Soviet Union. In the 1990, uh, they, they came back to, to West Germany. But you have to understand that nearly 100% of the, the gas supply in East Germany comes from Russia. So if this trade stops due to sanctions or due to real war and Russians don't want to deliver or the Europeans don't want to take it or don't allow whatever, the Germans will be freezing next winter, seriously freezing, because it's impossible to ramp up the supply within a few months. Um, and the same is true for oil. I mean, Russia is pr producing 10 or 12% of the world's oil pr uh, production. Uh, largest oil producer, one of the largest copper producer, one of the largest gas producer. It's massive. The fertilizers that we need for agricultural products, most of them coming from Russia. Um, I mean, the Western governments shooting themselves really in their food with these uh, sanctions and this crazy reaction right now. Instead of trying to find a, a way towards peace, they're all freaking out. And now you ask uh, what, what's going on in Germany. I mean, obviously, the, the population is very divided. Uh, most of them uh, simply uh, uh, repeat what the mainstream media is, is pushing on them. Mm -hmm. um, and then there is obviously also people who see it much more differentiated. And then there's also people who clearly take the part of Russia. So I myself would say I obviously want to see it very differentiated. And, and it's a lot of work. I cannot trust any media outlet anymore. You have to understand that in war, the first casualty is always uh, um, truth. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, it's a lot of work to figure out what's actually going on mm -hmm. and uh, the speed of which uh, things are in unfolding here is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. um, it's a media war as well. It's a propaganda war from both sides. It's very tough to figure out what's actually really going on. Mm -hmm. um, but um, the situation is highly complex and highly dangerous. And I don't see the West so far backing down and really understanding what's actually going on. You have to understand that the European Union is bankrupt, basically. Americans are also bankrupt. I mean, they're printing money like crazy mm -hmm. just to keep the system running. Uh, they are depending on resources, especially Europe is depending on resources. Mm -hmm. The prices are going through the roof. Um, we've seen oil going up dramatically over the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. Also gold now catching, catching mm -hmm. up. We've seen most of the agricultural prices going through the roof. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, the inflationary wave that people already experienced over the last one, two years will even more increase. And, and um, it, it's, I mean, the, the setup is just a nightmare. And I, I really just can urge the, the, the politician to, to figure out a way to, to, to find peace here. And as soon as possible, come back to the table and calm down because everybody's freaking out right now. Everybody's shouting. Unfortunately, in the age of social media, uh, it's very difficult to have a serious, honest, rational discussion with people. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it, it's very dangerous and we might be really here right in front of World War III and um, that's not funny anymore it will affect the whole world mm -hmm. So what's Germans, uh, Germany's political stand on this uh, overall Wh which, side, which side is Germany on from a political point 
No, they're clearly on the side of the Ukrainian right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to generalize, but if you ask about the German government, yes, it's very clear. I mean, they're talking, they ramped up the, the military budget over the weekend, 180 degree change. Mm -hmm. uh, from their uh, more like uh, peaceful or green energy, uh, I don't know how to, to call this kind of kind of weirdness, um, uh, but they they complete change, uh, 180 degree, uh, ramping up the, the military budget by 100 billion. Um, we, because we don't have any army here, we cannot defend ourselves. So in case the Russians would say we march further, there is no real... Uh, defense here in, in, in Western Germany. Yes, the Americans are in Poland and NATO is there, but it's not like that Germany would be able to defend itself right now. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and so the, the, the government in Germany is clearly on the side of the Ukrainians. They pushing further that Ukraine is joining the European Union as fast as possible, also NATO. They, they're delivering weapons already. They're financing uh, all of the resistance in, in the Ukraine. And, and so it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's a mess. Uh, <laughs> and it's the same stance that the European Union has, and that's also the same stance that the NATO has. So they are all connected. Germany has never been free over the last 70 years since the end of World War II. Uh -huh. uh, Germany has always been basically receiving its uh, 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 policies from America, being told what to do in the end of the day. Uh -huh. And I think that's still the case. And uh, you can see, clearly see the Americans didn't want it, uh, Nord Stream to, to happen. That's very clear. They mm -hmm. wanted to stop uh, Germany and Russians doing business with each other because the, the Americans would love to sell their own natural gas, the LNG, which is three or four times more expensive than the one, the gas they get from, from Russia. The mm -hmm. Americans want to sell that to the Ukraine. So mm -hmm. it's a highly complex topic and um, we can spend hours and hours and still just figuring out little details. But one, th um, one thing I was going to say is obviously Germany is a powerhouse of Europe and 10% of the gas supplies are coming from Russia, like you said before. Uh, obviously, and supporting Ukraine, obviously there is some thought that has been given before going down that path. When you're heavily reliant on your gas supplies from a country that's in a war right now with the other other side that, that Germany is supporting? Well, I mean, look, my theory is that after 50 years and more of paper money standards, the West has been completely deteriorated in terms of smart thinkers <laughs> and in terms of understanding what's actually going on, right? Mm -hmm. um, so people calling for green energy they cutting down the beautiful forests to, to build wind and solar energy there. Um, this is for me uh, not saving the environment. You know, this is just a clusterfuck. And um, and 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 believing that we could quickly have this energy change from fossil fuels to solar, wind, and other green energy. This doesn't happen in a few years. Mm -hmm. You know also that we need massive amounts of uh, commodities just to. Uh, change the cars to electric cars. This will take 30 years probably. And we need massive copper. Germany doesn't, Germany doesn't have any copper. Mm -hmm. um, so this has all to be imported from other countries. And um, we stopped uh, due to Fukushima, uh, Merkel stopped within a few days, uh, 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 atomic energy, the, the reactors mm -hmm. are running out. So we are really seriously having a, a problem with, with like the power supply here. And, and, and these green and left-wing kind of politicians 
only slowly waking up to what actually uh, is going on to reality, you know. So most of them have been in dream, dream la la land over the last 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. and, and, and now slowly, obviously, that has been a wake up call last week, the, the, the invasion of Russia. But still, these people have, I think, no clue what it really means. Just think strategically and geopolitically, and connect the dots. And and the, obviously, the picture is also very complex. But um, I can just tell you that uh, lots of good people have left Germany already. I think all the rich people are trying to figure out a way out of here. Mm -hmm. um, I personally met a lot of them in Dubai uh, over the last year. They're all in a similar situation. They don't believe anymore that more taxes and more social welfare or more socialism in the end of the day will work so most of them trying to figure out a way out of the country um while here in the european union there's more regulation there's more taxes there's more laws and there's more craziness i mean how they handled the lockdown has been a nightmare uh, insane and totally unacceptable and um they destroying the economy um they do exactly everything wrong and um if you also look further like how corrupt the whole system here is and how unable you are to to freely speak up mm -hmm. it's a total nightmare it's a total nightmare and it, this is really the same situation in the end of the day in all western countries i mean mm -hmm. uh, uh, i i don't see that this will have a good ending in some form um so uh -huh. it's uh, uh, <laughs> yeah sad with what's going on uh with the uh, uh with the news this morning about the attacking on the uh nuclear reactors and i think the latest has been that russia has actually taken it over as well has that created more jitters or i've seen it and i think the first thing that i heard was that they they basically conquered uh, the, 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 the the chernobyl reactor and it seems that this is now being managed by the russians mm -hmm. um, but i don't have much more details i've just last night we heard that the, they managed to conquer one of the big rivers because uh, they enacted the Krim. Uh, 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 how, when was it? 2014, 15. So like six, seven, eight years ago, mm -hmm. and Ukraine stopped the water supply for the Krim, which is like a half an island, right? So it's been extremely dry. People didn't have any water, and now the Russians came in, opened the water supply. At the same time, um, I, I see videos coming out of Kiev where they. They handed out weapons to anybody, basically, mm -hmm. and there is a war inside the city going on while the Russians are still not there. So it's very complex, and you don't really know what to trust. And I have to also be careful. I don't want to make wrong statements here. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, as I said, the first thing that uh, is dies in, in a war is truth, and it's become so hard to really figure out all the different informations that we are getting out of the country. Mm -hmm. To me, it seems like the West is completely underestimating what's happening here. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, the, most of the politicians believe that uh, basically this is the end of Putin. I would be very surprised if he just marched in without a long-term plan. I think he's been preparing this for many years. Mm -hmm. um, you know that Russia has been publicly actually announcing their gold reserves. Every month they have been buying gold for a long time already. Mm -hmm. So he knew that there will be a point where he has to maybe leave the SWIFT system or cannot deal anymore. And I tell you one thing, if, if uh, Russia announces tomorrow we're trading gold uh, oil against gold with the Chinese, and this is the price that the Chinese paying for, for a thousand barrels, they pay that amount of gold. The paper gold market in the COMEX will collapse instantly. Mm -hmm. So the West, I think, still has no clue uh, what the stakes are here. <laughs> this is, 
because uh, because um, this is not ending well the way they they're handling it right now. I can just urge the people to come back to the table and figure out a way forward towards peace and talks. Uh, the more you threatening uh, here and the more aggressive you behave and the more weapons you send there and the more you're even considering uh, sending your own military, it's going to be a complete night nightmare. It's going to be World War Three. So um, yeah. and, and again, I mean, I'm not want, I don't want to defend Putin, but you have to understand that this guy has been saying this for the last 20 years. This is a red line. Don't cross it. Mm -hmm. And I, I told you the example with Cuba before. So um, uh, mm -hmm. this is something really important to understand. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Let's get into some of the other stuff now. You mentioned yeah. before about, <laughs> I actually want to keep talking about this to be honest, but anyways, doesn't matter. <laughs> but you have been, you mentioned before about the money printing or the QE that uh, America, Europe has been doing. Uh, they obviously have it in debt as well, right? Interest rates are zero in Europe, parts of the Europe, they're negative. Um, how do you see now with what's going on with the geo geopolitical landscape? How do you see this playing out, uh, knowing what's known with how uh, far the Fed's balance sheet is spread and Europe as well, uh, and the interest rates, they don't have the lever to pull the interest rates down any lower other than going negative. How do you see this playing out? Do you think that they'll have to revalue the gold or do you think, how, what's going to happen here? I mean, there's many possible scenarios, no one knows, but um, German state will be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, I have no clue uh, like anybody else, but um, I think you have to understand that this is really, I mean, this is the end game. Uh, and so uh, for the Western countries, I mean, the rise and fall of nations and empires has always been there for thousands of years. And uh, if you make an honest assessment, you have to realize that the Western countries are certainly not in, in a rising trend, but uh, rather in a, in a, in a falling uh, trend and a downtrend, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't see any, any turnaround here. Uh, I, I only think that things probably will get even worse and I just hope that it will be peaceful somehow. But um, the, the establishment in America desperately is trying to defend their powers. Um, which is strongly connected with the money system. The money system is a paper money system backed by nothing than trust and uh, the, the force of the state. Um, we know that the, the gold price has been, it's a political metal and it has been suppressed for the last 50 years. I mean, actually for the last hundred years, actually probably since ever, but especially with the COMEX, we know that uh, in the seventies, we had a similar situation, a commodity bull market, inflation, uh, lots of geopolitical tensions and uh, gold started to go through the roof and then they introduced gold futures to find a way to basically cap or limit uh, uh, the, the, the prices, right? And, and to, to control the market. And, and we've seen this again and again, just last week when gold suddenly, due to the invasion, rushed higher to 1975 on the same day, it violently turned around and, and, and felt nearly $100 in the, in the later trading hours. Uh, due to COMEX opening and due to auction expiry, uh, some people obviously were on the wrong side, so they had to change things around. It was very obvious. And if you follow the gold market for many years, like I do, you know that there is a massive uh, invisible hand in the background managing prices very often. So that's why I said if China and Russia start trading uh, uh, oil against gold, um, uh, that this market can immediately collapse. And now with these sanctions that they have introduced, 
and suddenly all these Russian banks are, are basically uh, insolvent or untradable, all the stocks, you cannot trade them anymore. You cannot access your bank accounts anymore uh, if, you, if you were with a Russian bank, for example. And all the businesses breaking down. I mean, there's lots of businesses that have been doing business with Russia because you were exporting some stuff, building things, whatever, or you were buying from them. It's all breaking down now. Um, I mean, there is a massive deflationary force suddenly in the, in the house, right? And um, so the Fed has been talking for the last nine months about raising rates, tapering and hiking. And so far it's been only cheap talk. They have not done anything, right? But the market has become very afraid, especially the stock market over the last three months. Uh, and now you have this yeah, looming World War III. Um, I don't think that they can raise interest rates a lot, if at all. I would not be surprised if they will say, ah, we cannot do it anymore, given the geopolitical situation now. And um, so, yeah, I mean, if this becomes a world where the stock market has, has no bottom, you know, this can go just straight down the line. There's no, no problem. Just because we are now very oversold in, in the normal indices, doesn't mean that this cannot continue to fall heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, from a technical point of view, I would say probably we are uh, about to reach probably a low somehow because the, the, the sentiment is, is really negative now. You see the dump money, S&P 500 uh, is completely in fear and, and panic while smart money is starting to buy a little bit. But then again, I mean, if we are in a war situation, it's very hard to calculate what's coming out of it. The one thing that I know for sure for the future is we are in a commodity uh, super cycle. And that's what I told you already the last time. And it's been confirmed. Uh, gold, uh, gold probably at some point will break out above $2,000, very likely. And oil has been running in front of everything else now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's no peace treaty anytime soon, you're going to see oil at $200 in the summer. And um, what that means for the consumers and the normal people is a nightmare. I mean, the, I, I hear already, just yesterday, I talked with a friend, he, he actually has, uh, uh, he's relying on gas for his, his heating and electricity. And he said they doubled the bill over the last months. Uh, so it's suddenly 100% more expensive. Mm-hmm. And, and another friend of him, he, he, they, they canceled his contract because the company went bankrupt who, who basically supplied them. Um, so uh, there, there's, there's unbelievable complexity and things going on. Uh, uh, so you have to be very careful. And I think in this situation, I mean, just to, to come to one quick conclusion, here, you, you need to have physical gold and silver. Everyone, also you guys in, in Australia is for sure, because uh, uh, nobody knows how this will turn out, and um, and uh, the commodity super cycle will take gold to much higher prices at some point. I'm not sure uh, uh, how fast it can happen. If the COMEX breaks down, it can happen overnight. Um, if this continues like like we've seen it now for another one, two, three years, it will gradually move higher. But um, I I I mean, you can obviously uh, look for trading opportunities in this volatile environment. It's unbelievable uh, uh, opportunities for traders, short-term traders, right? Uh, But uh, I mean, markets could be closed tomorrow. uh, Or if you have positions overnight and like today, this morning you wake up and the German DAX is down two, 3% and you have, for example, a long position, you're fucked and you cannot get out of it maybe. Or 
Russian stocks uh, last week, you thought it's great, high dividends, unbelievable good commodity companies. Now you cannot trade them anymore. You might have to wait five years until you will be able to maybe sell them again. And now you even don't know if you will get dividend payments. So it's you have to be super careful. And I just can urge people to play defense here. Uh, you don't have to be a hero in that kind of environment where nobody knows actually what will bring tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Volatility is through the roof. So I would, I would say any leverage trading uh, should probably not be done in that environment. Mm -hmm. um, and hoping for a big uh, rebound in the, in the stock market is, is also difficult. I mean, we might certainly see a bounce at some point because just it's so oversold. Uh, but I doubt that the S&P and the tech stocks can quickly, easily make new all-time highs. Um, I focus 100% on commodities, precious metals, and Bitcoin and crypto, because this is the thing that is out of the financial system, which is, I think, imploding as we speak. Um, I mean, we, nobody knows the consequences if all these Russian banks go bankrupt and then you have these ETFs that have lots of Russian stocks, what, I mean, all these world ETFs, they have exposure to all these uh, Russian uh, companies. You don't know what, what that actually means. And um, you don't know how much money companies have to write off. Uh, I think it's, it's such a mess and, and complex nightmarish situation. You really wanna play defense. And um, um, I think your commodity stocks are going to, to weather the storm somehow, but it's gonna be very volatile. And, um, and you have to, and that's also something we've seen. I mean, gold has been running higher a lot while um, the mining stocks uh, have not been really following. I mean, mm -hmm. GDX, for example, the, 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 the gold miners ETF, the FunX gold miners ETF should be trading much higher uh, compared to where gold is trading right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so you see that uh, obviously the mining stocks, they're also pricing in these higher energy costs. Oil is a large part of their production costs. So um, uh, that, that makes sense from that perspective. But then again, I mean, gold nearly at $2,000, you would have thought that the mining stocks should have done much better. Um, some of them have done well, but many, especially the, the juniors and the smaller ones uh, are still lagging quite a lot. And the small and risky exploration and development stocks uh, obviously have not moved most of them. So you need to be very careful in this environment. Um, I, I think a high um, liquidity position is the best. And for me, liquidity is also having precious metals physically in my own hands. You can always sell them. And if you figure out now, wow, gold has become so expensive and the stock market is so cheap. Now I sell my physical gold and buy some stocks maybe mm. a part of it. Uh, you can always do this. So for me, I treat uh, precious metals uh, physically as a liquidity position at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. um, you talked about, so there's so much interesting stuff to talk here. This guy, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not joking. I can go 24 hours over here and still won't be done. <laughs> but anyways, you mentioned about the paper gold market comics. Yeah. Uh, that there's the, if things play out a certain way that it can collapse, right? Can you dig into that a little bit more for the listeners? When you say it can collapse, what is the situation in which COMEX, I mean, obviously there's not that much gold out there. We all know that, right? And the derivative market or the uh, paper market is pretty damn big. Generally, you can say at the COMEX, they trade 200 paper ounces for one physical ounce, right? Mm -hmm. More or less. 
of course, this changes a little bit depending on what the price is doing and how they are all positioned. But generally, over the last, uh, let's say, 15 years, you can say that um, for every physical ounce, existing physical ounce of gold, there have been traded 200 paper ounces of gold, not existing, imaginary in the air, right? Um, and 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 I mean th th that's always the same. Whenever you introduce leverage, uh, it, it, it you have of course you you you're suddenly controlling or moving a large, a, a, a much larger amount of money. Uh, and if it goes in the right direction, you suddenly can make a killing. Uh, but if it goes a little bit in the wrong direction, you're immediately underwater. The higher the leverage, the more unstable the whole thing is, and the more dangerous it can be. Right. So, um, so far, they have been always managed with the deep pockets uh, of fiat money to somehow control and rig the market. Um, if the world suddenly realizes that there is physical trade happening, uh, uh, oil for gold to a certain price in a different part of the country, in a, sorry, in a different part of the world, a different part of the planet, and maybe the, 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 the Chinese are willing to pay a much higher price than what is trading at the comics. And then people trying to uh, uh, take advantage of that um, uh, and, and basically uh, trying to, 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 to um, uh, how do you say, like swap and, 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 and trade that market ratio that the Chinese with the Russians are, are, are maybe may, may figuring out. You will see that the comics can immediately implode because suddenly people are realizing this is backed by nothing. It's a paper Ponzi scheme um, and there's no physical gold. And other people in the world trading physical stuff for physical stuff to a totally different price. And yeah, the comics can collapse immediately. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, you have, exactly. And I mean, you have this, this general trend. Or, I mean, it's like this arbitrage traders that will, in such a case, immediately jump trying to figure out how we can do it. And then the comics will probably quickly break down. I mean, this is just a scenario. I, uh, 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 I mean, we've been waiting for that for many years. Uh, I'm sure that at some point it will happen. What we are also seeing is that the de-dollarization is stepping ahead. So India, uh, the, the, the United Arab Emirates and a few other countries didn't follow the, 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 the sanctions against Russia because they need to trade with them. They need the oil, they need the energies, they need to keep that window open. Mm -hmm. um, these countries may be also willing to use a different currency. Uh, I mean, the petrodollar system has been the standard for the last uh, more than 50 years in the world. And it has uh, uh, done very well for the Americans, but it has obviously not helped all the other countries. Um, so the more uh, people and countries will decide to use a different currency, the more instable this whole COMEX thing as well becomes. Because the only thing that the Americans were able to continue their lifestyle with uh, spending much more than they were making is because they had the reserve currency of the planet. And that status came only because the whole world needs energy desperately. And all the energy has been traded in dollars. So if you constantly need dollars to buy the energy, that's why the dollar has been strong over the last 50 years. Of course, it's also been backed by the strongest military force on the planet. But um, the once uh, free market, open society, free speech, 
Americans have turned into something completely different in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And we've seen many of their invasions in Syria, in Libya, um, I mean, you name it, so many, Afghanistan. I mean, just last year, we've seen a complete nightmare of their retreat from Afghanistan, mm -hmm. which obviously also encouraged certainly Putin. He realized how weak the leadership in America nowadays is. So, um, I mean, there's so much going on, it's unbelievable. And it's all connected. And that's also the thing, right? It's all connected. Um, um, so I think commodities, precious metals, We'll do, it will be volatile, no doubt about it, but uh, stay away from these leverage trading bets, stay away from the risky small mining bets and focus on, on physical precious metals in your hand and, and some of the really good mining stocks if they come, become a little bit cheaper again. Mm -hmm. So um, like the BHP Billet and the Rio Tinto, all these big companies, they will massively pro profit from all these rising commodity prices. They have also political risks and there's also lots of tensions in, in Latin America going on for example um, nationalization of, of, of uh, projects and, and resources is also happening over there but overall I think these are companies where you can probably keep your money for the next few years while they're safe. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Now while we are on gold let's talk about the targets here. There's, there's a lot of calls on gold this year Mm. Uh, there were last year as well, but last year the situation was a little bit different. Crypto uh, took the shine out of the commodities market, I think personally, could be wrong. But knowing what's known uh, with the geopolitical landscape currently, where do you see... So when we say we are in a commodities super cycle, maybe, maybe the question should be, if we are in a commodities super cycle, when do you know that this cycle has ended or is about to end, right? And... Mm. What are the indicators that will tell you that? Like, what what, what will you look for? Whether it's the policy, uh, warrant, or charts, whatever. Yeah, um, uh, I mean, there is one very good and uh, famous chart actually um, that compares the so-called commodity index. Um, with the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. And you can draw that chart back to, if you want the last 50 or the, even the last 100 years. Mm -hmm. And you can see that uh, this is a, a pendulum which moves from one extreme to the other extreme. And mm -hmm. at let's say peak euphoria, peak bubble, peak uh, stock market really kind of situation. Mm -hmm. uh, commodities are very cheap and stock markets are very overwhelmed, right? Mm -hmm. And at peak war, at peak fear, at peak panic, at peak political tensions, you can see that commodities are very expensive and the stock market is completely undervalued. Mm -hmm. So the last fear peak, so to speak, uh, was the financial crisis in 2008. Uh, back then, oil had been moving to $150. Mm -hmm. uh, you had uh, 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 lots of problems in the system. You had a deleveraging event mm -hmm. and <clears throat> stocks were crushing, were crushed uh, or crashed uh, while commodities had been doing very well. That was a peak for commodities and a low for the stock market. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Before that, in the, 2000, uh, in the late 1990s, early 2000s, we had the dot-com bubble, the internet bubble, where you had a peak euphoria, a peak bubble, a peak rally, uh, a peak positive, optimistic sentiment, uh, greedy sentiment, and nobody was interested in commodities. Mm -hmm. right? uh, in the following years, that's when Jim Rogers appeared and became uh, well known with his books about the commodity outlook in China and they need so much resources. And then that was also affecting Australia quite a lot because suddenly you had a neighbor uh, needing a lot of resources from you guys. Mm -hmm. um, now, fast forward to today, we had a peak bubble in everything, peak euphoria probably last year, stock market all time highs, the tech stocks have been unbelievable uh, rally over the last uh, yeah, 12, 13 years actually. Commodities uh, had tried to find a bottom, but had been in a, in a strong downtrend since 2008, basically. So for 12 years overall, I mean, the most extreme thing was oil going, uh, oil going negative in March of 2020, right? In the mm -hmm. Corona crisis. Mm -hmm. That's been unseen and unheard of. And that basically stretched, stretched the rubber band so much in, in one direction that now it's turning around and, and that's why there is no surprise that suddenly oil is trading at $125. You don't actually need to know all the geopolitical events just from that fact that one of the most energy uh, 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 things in the world traded negatively for a few days, mm -hmm. tells you everything, how extreme that situation was. And now uh, things have turned around and um, this everything bubble, if it, if it pops, stock market will suffer and commodities should do very well. And then we have to see how long this run towards a, a peak fear kind of top uh, takes, but I would assume at least a few years. And that means, uh, yeah, let's see, maybe three, four, five years at least. And at that point, you will see a sharp spike in commodity prices and uh, they have become rather expensive against uh, the, the stock market. But we are still far away from that. So that that, that ratio that I said uh, or uh, that I talk about uh, is is currently sitting, I think, around one point something. The peaks in the oil crisis, nineteen seventy three, in the Gulf War, nineteen ninety, and in the Great Financial Crisis in two thousand eight, when commodities were expensive and stocks were cheap, those peaks were at least at seven. Uh, to one. Currently, we're trading at one to one point five to one or something. So you see, like the massive out outperformance upside for commodities against stocks. Mm -hmm. And um, so you want to stay away from the general stock market, I think, because we have to assume there is a lot of zombie companies. There's a lot of hot air still in the in the markets, and all those people who became traders over the last uh, one two years due to the pandemic they're basically losing their shirt now because it was so easy to make money with Facebook and Amazon and suddenly all these big blue chips turning around and there's no bottom. They just kept keep dropping. I mean, um, yeah. so uh, I think that's what I look for. This is a big picture ratio chart, very helpful measure. The GSCI uh, commodity index against the S&P 500 and take mm -hmm. a long-term view over the last 50 or 60 years at least. And you will see once we're getting into an extreme territory, but we are far away from that right now. So I think commodities have at least five years, if not longer to run, maybe even 10 or 30 years from here, who knows? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, now you talked about the stock markets, S&P 500, that maybe it's the bottom and the recovery should begin from here. Um, 
when you look at some of the key indicators, Schiller, Buffet, and all of them, if they still mean anything, uh, how do you, how can you still, how can you say that it's probably bottomed when those indicators are still uh, flashing red to some extent? Schiller is still sitting at about 35, 36. Um, uh, yeah, what, what makes you think that this probably could be the bottom of the correction? It's upwards from here. And knowing what's known about the Fed policy changes, that there will be interest rate rises, maybe not as, as aggressive as it was originally thought because of the geopolitical landscape change, uh, but there still will be rate rises, most likely, uh, from what you could tell uh, after hearing Jerome Powell last week. Well, uh, I mean, I'm not sure. We will have to see what, I mean, they, again, it's cheap talk, they talk a lot, but so far they haven't done anything. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, we all know that this kind of setup, when we, we talked in length now about uh, the, the geopolitical tensions, right? If you raise interest rates, it will not help you if you have serious supply issues. If you sanction a trading partner, if there is simply no oil coming, you can raise interest rates to 30%, and, and there's still no, uh, uh, not enough commodities that you need for the car production, that you need to heat the households, that you, all these things. I mean, it, it, it doesn't help raising interest rates in that context, right? So um, um, even if they do it, I think it will rather be shallow and consumer uh, confidence in, in the States is at a 10 year low. All the smart people know that this is crazy to raise interest rates in such a setup. Mm -hmm. uh, also, remember you have the midterm elections in November, so I would be very surprised if they are aggressively fighting inflation. They have to do something. That's why they talk so much. But uh, uh, if they destroy the economy completely, uh, it will neither help the current government to be get reelected in November. So um, I, I don't think they can take a very aggressive stance at the Fed. Uh, they just talk. It's a lot of talk. Mm -hmm. So far, nothing has happened. And uh, in terms of the correction that you asked, well, I'm not saying that this overall correction is over. I actually, I, I have no real opinion uh, where the stock market is going over the next few years right now, because it's just impossible to tell. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have so much variables. Uh, I mean, so much things that can go wrong or can go in a good direction or resolve itself. Uh, what I said is that the stock market in the short term becomes very oversold. Um, and you see the sentiment uh, 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 setups, uh, the, the, the dump money, so to speak. The retailers have become extremely fearful and panicking while smart money is trying to buy uh, and build up positions. So uh, I also technically, uh, I see that we're slowly but surely reaching some support levels. So. This can still be in, in, in the making for at least a few more days and weeks, mm -hmm. but um, um, I think we will get a bounce at least at some point. I'm, I mean, normally or generally, I've been of the opinion that we are also in the form of a cracker boom and that they will continue to ramp up the balance sheets and continue to print basically more money and they will keep interest rates low. And that this usually will fuel all the markets and push them higher, right? And then it's just a question of outperforming performance, which is the faster horse. Yeah? If Bitcoin is faster than gold and gold is faster than the stock market, you know where to put your money, uh, even though maybe all of them go up. Mm 
Um, but in, 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 a, in a World War III scenario, I have no clue. I just know that this is a depressive move and, and that this will screw up everything and that this will uh, affect everything and that you have to be very def- uh, careful in, on the defense because who knows uh, how bad this can go, uh, can become, right? Um, so Interesting. Um, this is something I, nobody can calculate and I have no clue uh, where there is uh, the, the finishing line. Is, is, will, will there be a, a way towards peace if uh, Putin uh, conquers to Ukraine and demilitarize it? Rises the country, and then it's maybe a neutral buffer zone, and the NATO and the Europeans will accept it. Mm-hmm. Or will this continue? Because then the Europeans sending in their troops and saying, "No, uh, you cannot do that." And who knows? I I have no clue. I mean, I honestly was surprised by the severe sanctions that they put in place over the weekend. I think most of the people have been surprised, and um, we have to see what how this plays out. Um, of course, if there's a peace treaty you can see uh, gold and oil dropping heavily and uh, the stock markets strongly, uh, at least uh, bringing in a bounce and a strong recovery for a few days, weeks, probably months. Um, But in the mid and longer term, it's very clear that these geopolitical tensions will not go away. They will likely intensify. I mean, we have not talked about China yet. I mean, this is also a big elephant in the room. <laughs> and uh, I think it's also a question of time until they attack Taiwan, probably. Um, and um, so, so commodities will, will, will be a hot topic for the next five, five years, at least, uh, probably longer. And um, so, yeah, again, I mean, it's such a complex topic. And you see, I'm talking a lot. <laughs> but uh, uh, it's very hard what to make out of it. That's why I'm, I try to keep it simple and focused. Um, you can do trades and if the stock market has a nice bounce at some point, yes, uh, somebody can trade it, but I don't think it's, it's, it's the place to invest your money at the moment for a longer time period, right? Like a buy and hold investment is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Next one, crypto. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What's going on in the land of crypto? Let's just specifically talk maybe the two big ones, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, are we in a bull or a bear market? Uh, where do you see with the things that we have discussed, crypto headed this year? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, I have not made up my mind whether we are in a still in a bull run or in a crypto winter. It's, I think, it's on the edge. It's very difficult to say. So far, the pullback uh, in Bitcoin since uh, last year, we had two, two tops last year uh, in, in Bitcoin in April, 65,000, and then in uh, November at 69,000. So you could argue that this was some form of a double top. Mm-hmm. And that overall, I mean, Bitcoin has been mainly moving sideways between 30 and 60K over the last year. Very volatile in the end of the day. It's hard to sit through those movements. Um, but in the end of the day, that's the trading range. It's kind of like moving sideways mm-hmm. between 30 and 60K. And now we had this top in November, uh, Bitcoin topped together with the, the stock market. Uh, it initially seemed for the first two months after uh, that top that the tech stocks dragging down the cryptos because this is all technology. And um, 
Um, and, and Bitcoin is not like really trading independently anymore. And I think it's true. You can see that Bitcoin is more and more reacting to news and to uh, events and numbers being published also by, by the central banks. So, um, because, and, and that's also an argument for that, that, that probably there's more and more institutional money in the crypto and the Bitcoin sector, right? Um, so, as long as Bitcoin stays in this kind of training range between, let's say, 30 and, and 60,000, roughly speaking, um, you can still make the argument that we're just uh, in, a, in a little correction within the bull market. Because in the past, crypto winters have been uh, uh, basically uh, uh, always bringing a, a much larger pullbacks in Bitcoin, right? Like at least 80%. And nowadays, uh, we have seen from those two tops that I mentioned, uh, pullbacks around about 50 to 55%, mm -hmm. which is still kind of acceptable. I know the, the volatility is insane, but you could still make the argument that this is okay within a bull run. And um, now over the last few days, Bitcoin jumped higher quite a lot uh, when, once the sanctions were implemented and people started thinking like, maybe that's a way for Russian people to get their money out of the country. Maybe that's a way for the Ukrainian people to receive uh, help from people all over the world. Maybe that's a way for the Russian billionaires and millionaires all over the world that, that are now scared of all these sanctions. Uh, to bring their money uh, basically into a safe haven. And that certainly has happened. You could see that the uh, amount of uh, BTC wallets, which, which uh, are holding more than a thousand Bitcoins exploded over the last uh, few days. Mm -hmm. That's certainly a point that there's wealthy people moving their money into Bitcoin. And it could also actually, I mean, if these sanctions continue, uh, it could also at some point force uh, the Russian government to put Bitcoin on their balance sheet because uh, if they don't get dollars anymore, if they cannot trade <coughs> with other uh, countries anymore, that could be actually a step further. So from a, from a, from a macro perspective, you had actually quite a lot of events or in, in a short period of time that proved that Bitcoin is valuable and needed and it has a certain function. So we had... Uh, 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 I mean, last year we've seen the shutdown in China of the miners and the ban of the Bitcoin mining. Prices collapsed for a few weeks. It was a crash, but the $30,000 range more or less did help. And the network just simply continued, right? That's the strength of a decentralized network. So China banning the miners, in the end of the day, Bitcoin just continued, unstoppable. Kazakhstan, January, collapsed. They shut down electricity, they shut down the internet. And also in Kazakhstan, lots of Bitcoin miners have been active. No problem for the network. Yes, prices broke down. It's been very volatile and actually a nasty pullback in January in Bitcoin, but network continued. It's, it continued run up, no problem at all. And now the Canadian truckers uh, demanding freedom and free speech and, and a stop of the vaccine uh, uh, mandates uh, only way for them uh, to, 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 to uh, uh, get funded in the end of the day was Bitcoin because suddenly the government without any, any legal measurements and without any real trials and anything just basically froze their accounts. So another point proved the necessity of Bitcoin. Suddenly people all over the world could help those truckers fighting for freedom, which is an essential right. 
uh, you have to have the right to express uh, what, what you think. And there is also uh, uh, clearly, uh, uh, nobody has the right to force uh, you to put something into your body that you don't want. So it's very clear. There is, in my opinion, no discussion about these topics. Uh, unfortunately, most of the world is still sleeping and is not aware of those essential human rights. Um, so, and now you have the situation in, in Ukraine where on the one hand, you have people in Ukraine who desperately need money. Uh, and if you want to support them, you cannot simply send money to a Ukrainian bank account anymore uh, because maybe the banks are closed uh, uh, and, and the currency has lost a, a lot of uh, value uh, in the Ukraine. And the same is true now for Russians. I mean, most of the Russians, the banks are closed. The ruble has fallen a lot. Um, so another case for, for, for Bitcoin and the sanctions against Russia itself and the, the Russian central bank, um, what can they do? I mean, they will also look for alternatives and it's not only gold, but obviously also crypto and Bitcoin, of course, specifically. So there has been such a massive amount of developments in a short period of time. Uh, and, and I mean, if you really seriously think, think this through, I mean, Bitcoin will not go away. It might remain very volatile. And if we get more depression and more deflationary forces because of a war, a world war, it can still drop to 20K. Yes, can happen. Of course, it can even happen to 10, 10K because who knows what all this means, right? If there's no trading anymore, people have no money anymore, it, then Bitcoin will also crush in dollar, euro or Australian dollar terms. Mm -hmm. But it is still one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. The same is true for one ounce of gold is one ounce of gold. And um, so, uh, I think more and more people will realize that, that Bitcoin in this insane world actually is a peace, uh, 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 an instrument of peace uh, because uh, you cannot uh, 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 control people anymore if, if uh, people uh, trading and, and dealing with Bitcoin only. The, the control of this whole system and this war machinery only works with, with the fiat money system. And um, so I think in the longer term, picture this is very positive for bitcoin what's going on shorter term it's de dependent to to all these weird volatile price actions if the stock market for example recovers you have the tech stocks probably recovering then of course bitcoin will also do well in such an environment um, again if the stock market crash doesn't stop because we really move into a world war three scenario who knows where the bottom is it's it's hard to say but um, I believe you want to own Bitcoin. It's not the time to be overly leveraged and aggressive in the sector. That's also something that we have to talk about. I mean, the, the leverage in the crypto sector, the massive speculation is obviously always been pushing prices higher, but it's also the, the, the problem in the sector because so many <coughs> retail uh, investors and traders, especially, they balance, uh, they, they leverage like crazy. Mm -hmm. And you have these washout liquidity events where basically these exchange take all their positions when Bitcoin drops 10K and then everybody's wrecked and everybody's destroyed. And then it, it takes time until uh, those people basically come back to life or those, those portfolios, so to speak, right? So, mm -hmm. so I don't think we're going to see any altcoin season anytime soon. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Ethereum maybe is an exception and a few of the others, but uh, Bitcoin needs to break out above uh, this all-time high. It needs to run above 70K towards 100K 
before most of the other coins slowly starting a life on their own again. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to hold your Bitcoins if you have some of the other favorite coins, yes. But in case we are in a crypto winter, be reminded that even though mo- many of those altcoins have lost already 60-70%, they still get can get cut in half again easily. So in a, in a crypto winter, altcoins losing 90-95%. to 95%. And, and so in that kind of scenario, setup where we are right now, you want to play it safe. And, and that's why I suggest to yeah. only put your money on the, on, the, on the big ones like Bitcoin, Ethereum, maybe uh, Solana and, and, and Polygon. But I, I would be very careful with everything else right now. Of course, this can change within days. If there's a peace treaty and we're going back to money printing, cracker boom, uh, uh, everything bubble, which is possible still, <clears throat> then things can turn around quickly. Mm. But right now, I suggest to be a little bit careful here, but I think Bitcoin actually will be one of the big winners of this whole mess in the end of the day, because more and more people waking up to the fact you cannot have centralized fiat money uh, anymore. It's just the system is so screwed. Uh, we have to get rid of that system actually. And the essential, the foundation of that system has been the, the, the petrodollar standard for the last uh, five decades. Mm-hmm. Fascinating, Florian, fascinating. One thing that you are, one commodity stock, crypto, you pick just one, or maybe let's go three if you have, um, <laughs> that you're most bullish on in year 2022. Uh, any any category, any market. A stock or, or cryptocurrency or could be any, any. could be any. Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I, we haven't talked about the uranium stocks, obviously, um, which I think uh, are very interesting. But um, to be conservative here, first of all, I'm very bullish on on Rio Tinto, uh, and I think it's a it's a very very good, very big international company uh, with lots of different commodity exposure, paying a nice dividend yield. Mm. And that's like kind of a blue chip kind of like stock for the commodity sector, right? Mm-hmm. You can pick, you could also go for BHP Billiton or let's say Vale maybe, but this is a Brazilian one, Vale, right? And, and maybe a little bit different structured. And then of course you have to figure out if you want to have more exposure to copper or iron ore, etc. But I think uh, I like Rio Tinto. It's a nice uptrend. Of course, it's been a little bit overbought right now, but any pullback, I would uh, increase positions or build positions in Rio Tinto because this is something buy and hold. You can probably hold that stock for the next five to 10 years, collect nice dividends and have a safe, rather safe position. I mean, it will still be volatile, but it's a blue chip. So it's not that volatile like a small little uh, 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 junior or exploration stock. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be the commodity side of things. Um, when it comes to the gold stocks, I would say that uh, probably Agnico Eagle uh, is a position that you could uh, uh, hold for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just breaking out. I think that's something rather interesting right now. Mm-hmm. But still continue to con- correct as well if gold doesn't make it over 2000 a- anytime soon. But uh, that's one of the best gold mining companies that I'm aware of. 
-hmm. and now with the merger of Kirkland Gold, uh, I think the company looks even better. And it seems to be a little bit uh, lagging so far. So um, look, we talked about gold. This stock is trading 40% below the, the high uh, of its high in August 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, gold is nearly at 2000. So, so there is a lot of room to catch up. And it's, again, it's an excellent management, great jurisdictions, script projects, and the merger with Kirkland also um, has been, I think, a good thing. So that would be like one of the, the, the senior, the, the, the blue chip gold stocks, uh -huh. if you want. Um, I think oil stocks are too expensive right now. It's, uh, you have to wait for a pullback. Mm -hmm. um, but um, in the uranium sector, I'm, uh, and to full disclaimer, I'm also at my own position in there. It's ISO Energy. Uh, that's actually my favorite uh, uranium stock. Mm -hmm. um, any pullback is a buy for me. Um, and when we talk about uh, crypto, uh, again, uh, it's Bitcoin. And then I really like uh, Solana on any larger pullback. I think it's just uh, very innovative, scalable. It's not, this is not a safe haven buy and hold kind of position. This is really a bet on technology and mm -hmm. NFTs and it's all this. So uh, any pullback in Solana, uh, I think is very interesting. And um, I also like Polygon, but again, those are for me, speculative positions. Uh, Bitcoin is the safe haven buy and hold position. <clears throat> With Uranium, don't you think it's already had its big run for a while? It had a big run last year, mm -hmm. um, but uh, from the past, I know that these bull runs in uranium usually go much higher than anybody expects. Mm -hmm. And I think we, we are still, we're probably nearing maybe the, we're getting into the second part of that bull market in uranium, but um, I think well, they should do many, very well. Florian, how many parts are there? <laughs> <laughs> maybe two or three i guess so um um they bottomed in march 2020 the uranium stocks so that stock that i just mentioned uh, in, in uh, is from that low uh, it's up uh, 2770 mm percent -hmm. okay um and i don't see any massive uh, uh, greed uh, uh, in, in, the segment, in, in the sector. Uh, I still think this has, I mean, again, we're always coming back to what we talked about initially, but I mean, Kazakhstan is the world's largest uranium supplier. The Euro-Americans don't have a lot of uranium. Mm -hmm. uh, neither have the Europeans. The Indians are building reactors, the Chinese building reactors. Um, this is really uh, a setup where, where the uranium prices can go still through the roof. And I, I think, again, we've seen probably the first really uh, leg we've seen now uh, since um, basically September last year, the stocks have been uh, in a correction. And, and now we had this, this strong spike over the last few days due to the Ukrainian uh, crisis. I think there's much more way to go, but you have to accept that 
the, the risk reward right now is probably not that good in uranium stocks, but you don't buy at the top at, at least. <laughs> so, but any pullback uh, over the next few weeks and months, I think is very interesting. And I, I would be adding to my uranium stocks. And obviously, last thing to mention, but this is really something you need to have to patience uh, is silver. Uh, uh, I'm still a big believer in silver. I also buy physical silver uh, more than gold, actually. But you have to understand that silver always uh, lacks gold for, let's say, 80% of a bull run or in, in, of time. Uh, and then suddenly, in, in, in the last quarter of a run higher of a wave up, suddenly silver shows up and then uh, uh, pushes further and, and basically runs faster than everybody else. Mm -hmm. So this is also the warning signal, right? So for example, right now, this rally in gold that started actually in August last year at, uh, with this flash crash in gold, um, and when gold for a third time last year fell back to uh, 1678, um, since then, basically, gold is in an uptrend. So we're trading currently, I mean, let's say the top last week, 1975, $300 higher already since August last year, gold. Silver has been lagging. And once you see suddenly silver going bananas, going bazooka, going parabolic for a few days, that's also your warning signal that this wave up that started in last August is coming to an end. Because silver always shows up as the last one to the party. Yeah? And then it suddenly, it rocks the party, immediately takes over the party, but then that's also, it's crashing the party. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you have to be careful. Once silver is showing up, you know, like, wow, okay, we're gonna, we are in for a, for a really crazy few uh, uh, tracks, if you speak in party language, so to speak, and, and then it's all over, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so, so if you have any leverage position or you have a large engagement in, in, in mining stocks, that's the time where you then start considering to look for exits and, and take some money off the table, right? Mm -hmm. We haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen that yet in silver. Silver is still sitting around the $25 level. It's trying to break above this downtrend line uh, that, that has been in place since early last year. If it breaks above this, we could silver quickly see running towards 28 or even $30 in a few weeks, maybe two, three weeks, no problem. Mm -hmm. But that's also your signal, attention now, this whole rally in the sector is coming to an end, expect at least a few months of correction. Mm -hmm. And through such a correction, you don't wanna hold any leverage position and you wanna also reduce your engagement in, in mining stocks because usually these corrections are looking for some pain in the sector. So, <laughs> interesting, um, man. I love the chat. Seriously, uh, forget yeah. the investing part, but the geopolitical landscape and how uh, what your take is on it. What 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 your take is towards that? It's just fascinating uh, listening to different people about that. Uh, appreciate your time. You're and welcome. Ask that Florian that you would like to add before we. Wrap it up. Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, it's really important that people wake up and really you need to inform yourself. You cannot trust your mainstream media sources anymore. That has to be clear. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have to be very suspicious actually with any news. So I'm also saying be careful with what you are seeing in Telegram channels or on alternative media sites. You have to question everything. 
And you have to look at things from as many perspectives as possible. And it takes time, I understand it. I mean, I, I watch so many videos and read books and stuff. I mean, I have all my YouTube videos on, on double speed because I need to consume so much information, but I don't have a TV at home for years already, okay? Since 20 years, I threw out the TV. I'm not watching mainstream media, um, but I read a lot. I listen to a lot of things and I'm constantly dig deeper. And I understand that I have to be careful with everything and I have to question everything. And we are in a propaganda war. And, 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 and uh, if you are able to think for yourself, you have nothing to fear in the end of the day. But um, if you believe that the mainstream narrative, you are in for a rude and very painful awakening. Mm -hmm. Totally agree on that. This whole mainstream media, it's total BS. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, and there's obviously a few channels out there who are doing a good job. So hopefully people will find them. Uh, no, I mean, I think it's obvious that more and more people are waking up. Yeah. I mean, you've seen the trucker movement in Canada. There's a lot of people all over the world waking up, but it's a, it's a process and this whole movement is not organized. Yeah? It, it's very fragmented and with lots of different people and within there's also lots of different interests with lots of different opinions. And again, also lots of fake and propaganda going on, unfortunately. So uh, again, you have to really uh, understand and accept that uh, uh, you have to become very uh, careful with what you believe in. Uh -huh. Definitely. Totally agree on that. But Florian, I think we're going to have another chat soon again, depending upon how this geopolitical landscape uh, pans out. Uh, obviously, Europe is a very key part to this whole thing. and German is a powerhouse anyways. So, uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch soon again uh, for another yeah. chat. I appreciate your time to the listeners. None of this is financial advice. Please do your own research. Play safe, stay safe. Thank you and all the best. Thanks for having me.